Luke 1, 31. These are the words of Gabriel, the angel who stands in the presence of God to the Virgin Mary. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the Son and shalt call his name Jesus. Matthew 1, 21. Gabriel's very busy in this particular moment of human history. He appears to Joseph and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Today I want to preach on that wonderful name, Jesus Christ. And why don't you give him some praise before we engage in his holy word today. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you, time. Thank you for honoring Jesus Christ today on this day that we celebrate as his birthday. The last time we were together like this on Christmas Sunday was 2016, six years ago. According to LifeWay Research, 84% of churches actually plan to have services today. It's down 4% from a poll in 2016, the last time Christmas fell on a Sunday. Interesting to me, only 61% of non-denominational evangelical churches are having church today. Larger churches tend to be having church and some are having church online. I say that to say thank you for taking time out of a personal and family day to honor Jesus Christ in church. And I also wanted to say to some people, perhaps some young people and children, that if you're here today under duress, that means you were forced to come. And I know you would rather be home playing with your gadget or game or gift. Please don't do that during church. I'm not going to preach a super long time today. Thank you for being drugged to church. Anyway, 42% of Americans strongly agree that Americans have forgotten the true meaning of Christmas. 33% somewhat agree. This is an article in today uh, in the news. And they took this poll. Only 6% strongly disagree. Only 10% somewhat disagree among Christians we believe, 84%, that we've lost the true meaning of Christmas. That's why, as inconvenient as it may be to some, we feel it important to celebrate the birthday of Jesus Christ and put him first place in our life on the day he came to earth, at least the day we celebrate. Amen? In December on Wednesday nights, I've been teaching on Christmas, the miracles of Christmas, the message of Christmas, and the mission of Christmas. On the 11th of this month, we had our wonderful Christmas concert themed wonderful. On the 18th, I preached on a wonderful Christmas focusing on his wonderful birth, his wonderful words, his wonderful works, his wonderful death, his wonderful resurrection, his wonderful salvation, and the anticipation of his wonderful return. Amen. Today... I want to focus in this wonderful Christmas 
and talk about this wonderful name, Jesus Christ. In modern times, names tend to be chosen by how the parents feel about the name. It's popular. They like it. It has a good sound to it. For my parents, the criteria for the names of my three siblings and I were that it had to begin with the letter D. Daryl, Darla, Darren, David. My name is not that popular anymore, but it must have been popular way back then when I was born. Several years ago, I had the privilege of visiting the Vietnam War Memorial in Washington, D.C., and I was scanning the names on that sacred wall of those who had died in that conflict, and I found my name spelled various ways on that wall many times. The average age of someone who died in Vietnam was 19 years of age. I missed the draft by a few months. It made me thankful that I was still alive and for all the Daryls who had died in the Vietnam War. But in biblical times, names had significance. Names meant much more. A child's name may have been based on the circumstances of their birth. Like Ichabod, who was named as the glory of God, was the party. The biblical concept of naming was rooted in the ancient world's understanding that a name expressed essence. To know a person's name was probably to know their character and their nature. Names might have expressed hope for a child's future. That's what you were praying and hoping your child would become, and then you shaped them to become that. There were several times in the Bible when a person's name was changed by God or by a person. It revealed a transformation of their character. They were changed from one thing to another. Abram, exalted father, becomes Abraham, the father of many. Jacob means supplanter or heel grabber. His name is changed to Israel, a prince who has power with God. In the New Testament, Simon, which means quick to hear, was changed to Peter, which meant a rock. Amen. So names to God have significance. In the Old Testament, in your Bible, God revealed his nature through his name. The name Jehovah or Yahweh appears back in Exodus chapter 3. It means the unchanging, eternal, self-existent God. The I am that I am. Amen. It is a covenant-keeping God. The Lord spoke to Moses. He said unto him, I am the Lord. I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah or Yahweh was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them. I've heard the groaning of my people in Egypt. I've remembered my covenant. I will come to them. I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a, a stretched out arm. 
I will make you my people. I will be your God. I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. That reminds me so much of what God did for us. He brought us out of the slavery of sin. He delivered us from the power of death and hell and Satan. Amen. He's become our God. We become his people. Amen. This deliverance from Egypt was a natural type of what God did for us. In the Old Testament, our Heavenly Father revealed Himself and His nature through names. In the Old Testament, I don't want to get into a, a long Bible study about this, but, but El, Elohim, El can mean El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. El Elan, the Most High God. El Elam, the Everlasting God. El Gabor, the Mighty God. El no say, the God who is a forgiving God who carries all of our burdens. And then you may be more familiar with those compound names of Jehovah or Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees ahead in the Lord who provides. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Moses gave God that name when the Lord delivered them from the Amalekites. And he realized that he's the God of angel armies. He's the God who delivers us and fights our battles. He's Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies us and makes us holy. He is Jehovah Shalom, who is the Lord, our peace. Gideon named him that at an altar. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, or that God of angel armies. It is used 284 times in the Bible about the Lord who does fight our battles for us. Jehovah Rohai, the Lord, is my shepherd who guides me through life. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, is our righteousness. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord, is there. All of these are symbolic titles of the Lord God. He is also called in the Bible, the Ancient of Days. He is called the rock, the refuge, the fortress, the shield. He's the sun. He's the refiner. In the New Testament, He's the Father of mercies. He's the Father of lights. He's the Father of glory. Amen. And God, who is all of those things, is indivisibly one God. Amen. For the Lord declared in Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord declared that we may know him from the rising of the sun and from the west, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Amen. I'm glad to know on Christmas Day that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. With his many manifestations and characteristics revealed by various titles that he was given in the Old Testament. John wrote in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14, and the Word 
and God. Remember the word was with God and the word was God. And the word and God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 2 and 9, For in him, in Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The beauty of the virgin birth is that all the manifold nature of God was manifest in Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.19 to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And Paul wrote to Timothy, his son in the gospel, in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, almighty God, was manifest in the flesh. Almighty God, was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory, amen. It was Matthew who interpreted Isaiah in Matthew 1.23, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I've come today on Christmas Sunday to exalt that wonderful name, Jesus. So let's rehearse what Gabriel told Mary, Luke 1 and 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. I pause to say that he's the son of God and son of man. That Mary was not just an incubator that held God. Mary contributed humanity to deity, and the Son of God was born. Conceive in thy womb, bring forth the Son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. I want you to notice the attributes of him. Shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. To this sweet little virgin teenage girl, the Lord God told her through Gabriel, his name is going to be Jesus. He shall be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob, of all of Israel, nationally and spiritually forever. Of his kingdom, there shall be no end. He will not have a beginning and an ending once he comes. He's the only begotten of the father. His beginning was in Bethlehem, but his kingdom will have no end. It is an everlasting kingdom. To Joseph, he said, Matthew 1 and 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, betrothed, but not consummated marriage, 
much more serious in our engagement. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. He wanted to prove that he had nothing to do with this conception, that it wasn't his baby. He was a just man. Verse 20, but while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Not a separate personality of the Godhead, but God as he works in us, the almighty power of God coming to Mary. Verse 21. And she shall bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The conception is of the Holy Ghost, and we have this understanding of his name. Now, his name, Jesus, can mean several things. They're all really synonyms. Jehovah, Savior. Jehovah is salvation. So I like to say the Lord saves. When you say Jesus, you're saying that the great creator became our savior. And all God's fullness dwelt in him bodily. Amen. God with us. Jesus is the only way to be saved from sin and hell. Jesus said in John 8, 24, that you will die in your sin. If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. He shall save you from your sins. And if he does not save you, you cannot be saved. No other religion can save you. In John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Today I was texting my family and I just thought of this verse. You see, we have eternal life and abundant life because we walk in his ways and we live by his truth. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Everybody wants to have life, but you cannot have life unless you walk in his way and live by his truth. But if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And it would be a shame to not read this verse on Christmas Sunday when they asked how could they be saved? What would we do on the day, the birthday of the church? The apostle Peter said, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ was God's gift to be a Savior, but the Holy Ghost is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is the gift of God, the greatest gift you could ever receive on Christmas Sunday or any other day of your life. Amen. I read Acts 2.38 because Jesus is the saving name. He shall save his people from their sins. 
Paul wrote in Romans 6 and 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Paul wrote in Colossians 3.17 that whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And when questioned about how miracles were performed, the apostle Peter answered those who questioned them in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So on Christmas Sunday, I want to remind you and declare that the name of Jesus Christ is the revealed name of God. And when you call the name of Jesus Christ, you call on the God who created all things. You call on the provider, the healer, the God that fights for us. Everything that God ever was or ever is in one eternal now. It is all in the name of Jesus Christ for all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. When you call the name of Jesus, you call on the one who upholds all things by the word of his power. You see, there is, there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are not celebrating a baby in a manger. We're celebrating a king on a throne, almighty God who rules and reigns forever and ever. He was born in Bethlehem, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, buried in a borrowed tomb, raised from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, sent back his spirit. He is alive and well. He has the keys of death and hell. He is alive forevermore. And on Christmas Sunday, we celebrate a living Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Almighty God invested himself in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the revealed name of God. Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all power, all authority in heaven is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Philippians 2, 9. The previous verses talk about his condescension, his humility, his death. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul wrote in Ephesians the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to his working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Speaking of Jesus, he said, far above 
all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Paul would write in Colossians that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. Amen. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. creature. For by him, by Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he, Jesus Christ, is before him. And by him all things consist. And he, Jesus Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father, that in him should all the fullness of dwell. Amen. I'm preaching the wonderful name, Jesus and in the end of all things, in Revelation 19, 16, the Bible said, and he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. I am here on Christmas Sunday to declare the wonderful name Jesus that is above every other name, the name that forgave me of my sins, the name that delivered me from darkness, the name that gave me hope, the name that changed my life, the name that put my family together, the name above all names. And if you love him, would you stand to your feet? Would you give him glory? Would you thank him that he has a wonderful, wonderful name?